Welcome to People More Interesting Than Me, the podcast, I'm thrilled where to I step back and let today. fascinating Michelle individuals take the spotlight. Journey is Join me as I sit down with incredible guests who captivate and inspire, showcasing their stories, experiences, and, and wisdom that make them truly extraordinary. Tune in for engaging conversations that'll leave you enlightened and dynamic. I mean, the at least I'm in dyslexia. Against all odds, Michelle not only became the first in her family to graduate college, but went on to earn a master's degree. Michelle quickly discovered that her unique marketing expertise set her apart in her field. She helped many brands thrive even before terms like conversion rate optimization or SEO became mainstream. In this episode, Michelle and I, we talk about how there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that people don't know to even talk about. And we talk about conspiracies with Taylor Swift and jet travel. Uh, Stay tuned and enjoy. If you can cue everyone in on what you do for a living. Okay. Well, see what had happened was, right? <laughs> um, I am currently a data governance engineer. So that's in the realm of data science. Um, but for most of my career, I've I've operated in a marketing manager type capacity. Um, and then I kind of inched my way towards this data science thing. And the way that I explain it to people and randomly in Walmart when I want to tell them what I do um because I'm lonely um I say I make charts look pretty <laughs> right um so that that's pretty much what I do uh if, if you um are running any sort of Facebook campaign or Google campaign or whatever it's a whole bunch of data that comes in on the back end it's like mm-hmm. a wall of numbers and like these excel spreadsheets and um Sadly, most of the people who sign my paychecks can't read those numbers and make sense of them. So what I do is I make them into like this little pretty charts and I make little pictures and I tell them stories with those numbers (laughs) so that they can better run the marketing campaigns or better run the department or whatever. So that's pretty much what I do. (laughs) Okay, that that makes sense. And uh, I guess what you're, do you ever, I guess, put input into... I guess, the way to steer the digital marketing? So um, when I'm consulting um, and I'm wearing multiple different hats sometimes, um, sometimes it's as simple as uh, we just need these numbers to be visualized or put in, you know, Tableau, which is a a visualization software, or we need this, excuse me, We, 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 we need this in a PowerPoint or whatever. So I'm putting in less opinion. I'm very opinionated. Some people call that a control freak. I don't know. I don't. T- I don't listen to those people. But um, but I, I always give a little. If you do this, you can possibly have this result next time. Or mm-hmm. this wasn't a, a a success in my opinion because of this, that, and the third. Maybe we can try to pivot this way. So I always do that. But if I'm consulting with like a smaller company, so I'm not in like um a Red Hat or Coca Cola, Home Depot, whatever. I'm talking to, you know, the dude around the corner who decided he was going to do the drop shipping course. <laughs> um, so it's like, then I'm saying, okay, Todd, 
we need to do this type of campaign or we need to move money over here so that you get a better audience. And then I'll set up the, the different type of tests to prove that I'm right. Because that's another thing about me. I really like being right. <laughs> so I build tests to prove that I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong, but we don't talk about those times. <laughs> um, but we do stop spending money when I am wrong. <laughs> you know, it's all about, you know, proving it, you know. Mm-hmm. Anything I say in my PowerPoint, and a lot of people get kind of get a kick out of this, right? I, I I start the whole thing with, in this presentation, at any point in time, you can stop and say, prove it. Um, depending on the size and the age of your audience, you might want to take that out. But um, most of the PowerPoints that I was explaining before, people have like this thing in their head when they think about corporate PowerPoint presentations that they have to be 300 slides long and it's like mine are mostly three to five slides if you get these three to five slides it's pretty much it <laughs> but if someone in that presentation uh C- cmo cfo marketing manager tech manager whatever yells prove it because it has become a game <laughs> at this point then i go to slide 74 and let here's where the proof is <laughs> yeah no it makes sense. um but yeah uh have you ever experimented with kind of unconventional or out of the box digital marketing that turned out like surprisingly successful? Yes. So um, I got into internet marketing by accident, like in 2010 ish. Um, I was finishing up my uh, behavior analysis degree at Savannah state. So that was, that's my bachelor's degree. Um, it has been a windy road to get to where I'm at, <laughs> but um, I was finishing up my, my, my bachelor's degree and I realized that when I graduated, I had to pay back these student loans and I didn't have a job, any job prospects, nothing. So um, I was like, okay, I need to make money. And when you're in college, you're in college, you, that, like that's your job. You really can't work anywhere to make real money. So um, I saw one of those ads and this was back before there was like rules around pop-ups and all this other stuff. <laughs> It was before there were rules around pops up, pop-ups and, and, and everything else. And so um, there used to be these pop-ups. Um, you can see, now, see them now on like these sites, places of the internet where you shouldn't be anyway right now. Where it's like a pop-up. You won $10,000, fill out the survey, whatever, right? Yeah. So it was, it was one of those. And it was like, uh, learn how to make money online. In three clicks, you'll make $1,000. All you have to do is pay $47.99. Well, $47.99 and three clicks later, I was just out of $47.99, but <laughs> I knew. So so a seed was planted that there was a way to possibly make money online. And then um, it was a site called Elance. That's how old I am. It was a site called Elance. Uh, it's now called Upwork because they, they, they were bought by, by Upwork. But um, uh, the Google Panda update had just came out. And it trashed all these companies because they were like essentially like spamming like these own, they were called microsites. So they were like spamming their own little sites to like get high rankings on Google. And so the Panda SEO update came out and all these companies, all these millionaire next door type people were losing their mind. So they had to do real SEO. I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I could do SEO. That sounds simple. I didn't and know. what's SEO? I'm sorry. Oh, search engine optimization. Gotcha. So, so, so like, that's how you get 
to the highest points on Google. So um, I learned really, really quickly <laughs> how to rank websites. Looking back on it, now that I have a master's degree in internet marketing, I told you guys it, it was a windy. <laughs> um, I have a master's degree in, in internet market, marketing. That was very unconventional, some of the things that I was doing. And some people would call it black hat. We don't listen to those people because they're haters. But um, it was a lot of sketchy stuff I was doing to get those pages ranked uh, once once the uh, the Panda update came out. But um, it was a wild, wild west back then and everybody was just trying to do stuff. Um, and then I also got involved with people who were like in MLMs, uh, the, the multi-level marketing company. M most people know them like as like Amway or Avon or or something like that. For those those in your audience who knows that type of industry, um, it was a few of those famous people who we kind of linked up early on. And um, I gave them a lot of the sauce that kind of made them who they are now. <laughs> and I am forever apologetic for that. And um, please don't write me bad things um, <laughs> when, when you get my LinkedIn information. <laughs> but uh, it, it was fun times. It was fun times. So with like for example all this stuff's coming out with automation mm -hmm. to help support digital marketing how do you balance like the use of automation and still kind of maintaining like a personal touch uh in your campaigns and then i do have a i'm, I'm gonna remember this i have a very random but seo question after okay um so there's a difference between automation and like ai so right now, everyone's kind of lumping them together. So automation uh, has been going on since forever. And that's very specific timing language there. But um, like Zapier um, has been around for forever. Um, now it's make.com for, for, the, for the other tools. But anytime you have an automated thing that you do every single day, whether it's marketing or whether it's... Um, in, in my house, we have the the, the little home assistants. Um, I don't want to say the name because then my whole house will light up. But um, every, every single morning, lights come on. My son's speaker wakes him up uh, playing kids bop. And he has his routine. He checks it off. By the time he comes downstairs, it, it's time. The lights in the hallway goes on. He comes downstairs. And then I wake up. <laughs> right? So that's, so, so that's automation. But when it comes to marketing, um, especially for the, the paid campaigns, like um, you go on Google, and that, that's, that's called pay-per-click, right? So when you see those, camp, those, those headlines and the phone number and this and that, like there's a lot of automation that goes into that, right? Um, so automation has always played a part in marketing. <coughs> automation has always played a part in marketing. Um, especially when it comes to the ads, the funnel itself. So you draw on one page, you click to see the next page, you click to see the next page, and then you buy. So automation has always had a part. When it comes to the human touch, um, I think we might be leaning more into like the AI sort of space. Um, and I love AI. I have always loved AI. And since my AI is listening to me, I love you so much, <laughs> but um, there, there will come a time very soon where misinformation is getting spread more frequently and faster 
and we won't be able to tell what a human validated truth is and what AI copied from itself. (laughs) And that will open up an opportunity in the marketing space to have more human touch points in, in the funnels, for example, right? So I said, you're on one page, you go to another page, you go to another page, you go to another page. That's all handled by Pabli and, and, and um, uh, Zapier, make.com, uh, uh, ClickFunnels, right? Like, like that's all handled systematically. Um, I think there will come a point, and I've kind of seen it already, where I think there will come a point, and I've seen it already, where there will be hop on this call with so-and-so and such and such for this $5,000 product. It won't be, oh, you're going to go to this to this webinar that's already been up, or you're just going to blindly buy this thing, or you're going to just come to this email. And I, I think that they'll, I think that the leaders in the in the information space will have to show up more. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, because I I've thought about this before with all this influx of people in all these sectors switching to AI it seems like there's going to be an influx of need for a human touch in a lot of those sectors because people are going to, you know, like when you have that much, a lot of stuff requires human touch, especially in some of the the fields like medical uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things that require a little bit more non, you know, like sensitive areas. Yeah. Um, what <laughs> I wanted what I wanted to say on SEO and this, and the funny thing is when you said SEO, it sounded familiar because I had seen a video and this is a huge conspiracy SEO story, but I thought it was just fascinating because, you know, like whenever you hear a conspiracy theory, you're like, Hmm, it might be, it might be true, but there's no way to really know. I'm all about conspiracy theory. So I'm for the next part of the sentence. Okay. So what I heard this, I, I don't know the dates on this. I think this happened maybe middle of, oh no, it had to happen during, uh, let's say it happened like October, September. So this is when, I don't know, when Taylor Swift's tour was going and like she was, like supposedly they had a lot of celebrities at her concerts and stuff like that. So she was flying people in on on a jet and they were saying that her environmental impact was huge because mm-hmm. this jet was going like, like consistently all over Mm -hmm. and when you searched seo wise taylor swift jet like you would come up with these articles on her environmental impact Mm -hmm. however near this time there was a jets game with the kansas city uh uh, what are they kansas city chiefs Mm -hmm. and as you know at that game well i don't know well this is what i was told they met uh travis kelsey and taylor swift met so if you look now at Jets and Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. comes up a football game. Yes. So the theory was that they got into a relationship. So that or that spin, that impact of her jet and the articles and the environmental impact from the, I guess, the CO2 that her jet was emitting. They were trying mm-hmm. to sway it with this relationship and this Jets game by changing the Jets team i guess yes. ta- not team tag but team association mm-hmm. with the actual environmental personal jet and i i just found that funny i cannot confirm or deny because i can't confirm or deny 
Um, but I will say that's a really good conspiracy theory. And two, that happens a lot. That happens a lot with way more important things than Taylor Swift. Like elections. Um, uh, I'm not confirming or denying anything, but that happens a lot. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So speaking on that, how do you ensure digital marketing campaigns are culturally sensitive and relevant, especially when targeting diverse audiences across like different regions or demographics? Okay. So for those of you who aren't watching this, um, <laughs> I, I am an African-American woman, right? And there'll be people who will argue with me about that point, right? So I got out of fully running digital marketing campaigns and not for like um, a bigger scope or agency or whatever. I got out of that um, around 2017, 18. Um, so before 2020 happened. So... It was never a thought of mine to do that. It, it, it's something that, that just happens innately. Because um, the, the goal is to never offend anyone, right? But when you're working with certain companies, because again, I've been all over the internet and that includes some different types of companies, right? Um, but uh, when it comes to certain uh, areas of internet, and I don't do anything political, um, but shock value and getting people to disagree with you brings more eyes, more eyes, more impressions, more impressions, more page views, more page views, more clicks, more clicks, more higher engagement goals, more higher engagement goals, more sales, right? So that's like the, the cycle there. I've personally never done it, uh, to like have shock value. Um, I have recently been a part of a, a campaign for a smaller company, um, and people were upset because, um, the characters, um, weren't white, <laughs> essentially. Um, so it, it, it was a Facebook campaign. It was in, um, September. And so the people were upset that the characters weren't white. These are characters that this person, a white man, created himself, <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like is the, he older than the age of fifty or sixty? I think he's like forty. I I, I, don't, uh, I don't know. Okay. But um, but it's like he, he writes kids' books essentially. The audience was upset that there were no white main characters. It was only like white side characters, and they weren't main characters. Um, and the Facebook has the Facebook ad has comments on it. Um, and ninety percent of the comments are from people who are upset that there's no diversity in this in, in this in this cast of characters um where there was a lot of diversity in the cast of characters but that made the engagement go up for the post which made our ad spend go down so ethically i could have said okay um, these people are not engaging, I'm not engaging because the content is relevant, because the ad speaks to them, because of whatever else. Um, and I should pull it. What the man paid me to do was <laughs> get him the best cost per click. So that was a dilemma I faced around September. And I feel like kind of bit me 
later on because I wound up getting a uh, um whatever cough that was going around and then I wound up getting pneumonia and then I got the flu. So I probably should have pulled it <laughs> like I wanted it, like I should have done. But no, I, I I kept it up. And now in a climate and you guys can actually write me angry posts about this. But now in a climate when everyone is offended about everything, it's hard to be all inclusive. Because me calling myself <laughs> An African-American woman will offend someone. So it's very hard to navigate digital marketing when you'll offend anybody by doing anything. Yeah, that's what it seems. It's like, just like you said, it's like uh, as not being inclusive enough, you're being exclusive. Yes. Which is, Yeah. I totally understand it because it's kind of like a. So if you want a conspiracy theory, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of angry messages about this one. Um, a lot of the selective outrage that's going on right now, which is what I call it. And I saw that from Chris Rock, but I'm not giving him any credit. Um, a lot of the selective outrage that's going on right now um, may have been by design. <laughs> it's very easy to design selective outrage when you give people so many ways to divide themselves up that they never focus on the real issues and think about people as a whole, um, especially corporations. Corporations are really all about diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. Um, but when you look at their hiring policies, their teams, their numbers, their pay rates, um, everything else, they're not. But if you say something to someone that they slightly don't like, <laughs> now this team is all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not. <laughs> so, so selective outrage. Uh, same thing when it comes to political ideations, wars, economy, everything else. Because if we divide ourselves in a small enough buckets, no one will ever point to the real issue, which is there's no work no more. Just don't but I'm gonna get a lot of angry letters, but it's fine. <laughs> it's gonna get a lot. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so I, we kind of touched on this, but how do you craft? Like, I would imagine it's very difficult to craft marketing strategies, mm -hmm. like new, experimental, immersive on the digital realm. How do you kind of uh, do that? Create or how is that done creatively? So there's there's two ways to go about it. Um, I I mentioned that I had a behavior analysis degree. Um, and then I also mentioned that I'm a data scientist. <laughs> so somewhere along those realms, this became that, right? So to make a marketing campaign, very, very boring answer I'm about to give you, but it's true. Everybody starts off the same, right? So Everybody starts off the same. You tell me some basic information, whether it's national, international, regional, you're a mom and pop shop, you're a plumber, you're a bakery owner, whatever, right? Um, and then once I get the framework together, so if we're doing a video campaign, that's a certain framework. We're doing a um, Facebook campaign, that's a certain Facebook. Um, um, a, a native ad is like when you're scrolling, when you're like doom scrolling, you still got ad and it's like, oh, Taylor Swift 
carbon dioxide, something, I don't know, that's what was at the top of my head. And so like picking those things out then lays it, it, its own framework out. So, so if I'm cooking dinner, nine times out of 10, my protein is going to be chicken because I really don't eat pork, really don't eat beef. Probably going to eat chicken. Everyone's had a chicken. It's fine. We have accepted it. You need a vegetable and you need a starch and maybe some bread, whatever. I don't know, right? So you kind of limit your options when you know that this is going to be what it is. Now, once it's laid out and, it, and, it's, and it's set in front of you, I was like, okay, I know I need a vegetable. Let me go look what the vegetables are. Let me go pick a vegetable. And the marketing case, it's, all right, I know I need an audience, <laughs> right? Let me get the audience. And so it is one of those things where the audience comes in. Now, when the audience comes in, there's a whole bunch of data that, that happens on the back end. Um, prior to the people even getting there, you know, you got to set, set the table, which is me doing data nets. If you hear anybody use data nets, they stole it from me. It's mine. I made it up and I'm tired of people selling my stuff. So, so I set the data nets, uh, for the more technical people out there. I use Google tag manager and Google analytics. So that's how I'm making sure that when people come in, I know more things about them than I probably should. Right. Um, and then how they interact with each element on the website, the page, everything else, um, and then how they get the checkout. And what I'm doing after typically three days, if not three days and seven days of data. So what I do is I uh, look at the whole picture. I change these two things, one or two things. I test it. Another one, two days go by. This worked, this didn't work. Take what worked, get rid of what didn't work, change something else. And so eventually you get to a point where when you're making your recipes, right? When you, you eventually get to the point where you have this perfect campaign. So you build it, you tweak it, you build it, you tweak it, you build it, you tweak it. And eventually you have hit a, a plateau point. But essentially it, it, it's when no matter what you do, no matter how many changes you make, no matter how much money you put on it, it's not going to change. Um, but that that's that's where we get to as far as marketing. So as far as being innovative and creative and all and all, all this other stuff, the creativity and the innovation comes with those tweaks. Mm -hmm. But again, everybody else starts out the same. So so if you go to your mom's house, your grandma's house or whatever, and like there's like a special recipe that your grandma won't tell anybody until she dies. <laughs> right. Mine, my my grandmother held on to this barbecue sauce recipe and when she died, she didn't tell nobody. It's like, you were supposed to tell people how to make this. So for the past 10 plus years, me and my cousin have been going back and forth, like each making and tweaking the recipe and like, oh, taste this, taste this, taste this. Are we close? Are we any closer? We don't know what she put in this barbecue sauce, <laughs> but we got really, really close. Right. So it's the same thing with like marketing campaigns. Um, you want to build it with the, with the base. And I'm not going to tell you what the base of my grandma's barbecue sauce is, but you build it with the base, it might be ketchup, right? And then you just keep adding stuff and changing stuff until you get close to where you want to be, perfection, or, or, or in this case, whatever the marketing research thing came with prior. So uh, gamification is gaining traction in marketing. Mm -hmm. is, have you ever utilized that, like gamification elements and campaigns? Can you yeah, so um, 
with the gamification, when you think about Timu, Wish.com, with the like, like main, big major e-commerce sites, mm -hmm. um, there's always like, oh, you win this, you spin a wheel, you do this, whatever, right? And then, <clears throat> and then even as far as um, as just like your your behaviors, um, uh, just moving forward down the sales funnel, or even even after you buy something, gamification has always played a small part in marketing, especially when people like me, the psychology degree people, or the behavior analysis people, showed up on the game. On, on the marketing game, right? Yeah. So uh, when you go to uh, Smoothie King, right? Back in 1994, because I'm not that old, but back in 1994, you go to Smoothie King or you get your nails done or whatever, you get a little punch card, right? That's a type of gamification, right? Uh, you, you, get to, you get your punch after five punches, you get a free smoothie or a free dinner or whatever, right? Um, very much the same deal. When you look at these e-commerce sites, um, people have a fear of missing out and people are addicted to their own dopamine, <laughs> right? So when you combine those two, you get what we now call gamification. Um, gamification marketing-wise started, um, again, forever ago, just, just outside, but like online, the term and, and the way that we think about it. I believe it started with Farmville. Do you remember Farmville on Facebook? Yes, I do. Okay. So I believe that it started with Farmville and it got picked up. And then now, and then now we're talking about real games, but um, you know, there's a whole ad machine behind that, right? So, um, and I think the micro uh, payments and charges got um, really big with Candy Crush. Yeah. And then from there, outside of actual games, these e-commerce sites started with 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 the with the wheels when you're on mobile or whatever else, right? So um, gamification has always been around. It's just been subtle, and no one's really put a name to it before. Mm -hmm. um, but now, as again, you, you got the outrage machines. We already talked about AI going on, and you have these echo chambers of we know you like to hear this thing. <laughs> Um, has been going on. Um, it's creating more and more dopamine effects uh, to the point where TikTok's whole platform is gamified. The whole thing is gamified, <laughs> right? You don't know it because it's not like in your face. Oh, if I do this thing, if I scroll down for four hours, I'll get this. No, but it's it's subtle. It's, it's, it's biological and it's psychological. So, so with the right... As you mentioned, TikTok, with the rise of kind of like micro moments, like mm -hmm. instant decisions, how do you craft marketing strategies to capitalize? Like you you probably know this at the top of your head or close to it. What is like the timeline from when a person sees an ad to like when they like they decide yes or no if I'm gonna click it or not? Um, back in the olden days um before everybody had three second attention spans um we used to have these but it, it was but it took books. but it took three seconds for the the uh the, the link to in dial-up days it took three seconds at least yeah for, for anything to look. <laughs> yes and i was actually trying to explain that to my son and he called me a liar he's like why did the internet make noise and why did you turn it off that doesn't make any sense so he essentially called me a liar this is like on christmas anyway <laughs> so so um um 
back back in the olden days, it was called touch points. So a touch point again back back way when um you know 2010 <laughs> um uh you you had seven touch points so you you got to be in front of a customer seven times seven to ten times before they had any sort of interaction engagement whatever so with tiktok and facebook um sorry with tiktok and um instagram marketing you have to either blend in so you use influence marketing. So someone pops up on their screen that that they are used to seeing on their screen. And it's not like, you know, the guy in the suit and the tie and at at Fidelity Bank, we do this. No, like, no, like that's not gonna work, right? Yeah. So, so so it has to blend in. Um, so <laughs> that's influence marketing right there. Um and then there's another thing where it uses, um, uh, it works on Instagram, uh, mostly in 2022, 2021, where when you were scrolling and you see like a red box or like something was circled in the background, but it was really nothing circled. But the thing is, um, your sad little monkey brain is going and he, you stop and you see something red and you're like, oh, what's that red thing? And then, so that'll be akin to a touch point. Um, but now when people are, you know, TikTok shop, right? You're scrolling through TikTok shop, you, you see the well for me, it, it's always some sort of uh girdle or perfume or something. Uh I don't know if you have girdles and perfumes on your TikTok shop. No, I do not. <laughs> but, but pretty much, you know, people are are just spamming that to me. So after I think it's every five videos you see an ad now. Um, so essentially when I'm spending 30 minutes on TikTok by accident because all I wanted to do was send somebody a message and it's really all their fault <laughs> um, that is now three hours later. It is one o'clock in the morning. I just want to go to sleep. Um, I, I've seen a total of 40, 50, 60 ads and it's typically the same type of ad. Um, so I'm more inclined to buy it, you know, time at the at the 20th point <laughs> because I've seen it so many times um and I I don't I don't I don't live in a life with ads that sounds outrageous because I make ads and I've been in the ad space but um you'll quickly find out that most people who do marketing or whatever like our bane of existence is ads like Hulu I got Hulu plus or whatever it's called the works um Google, uh YouTube I got Google Premium. I don't do ads. Like you, there, there's no way to get an ad in front of me unless I'm on TikTok. You're leading me to the my and uh, my next question. You're teeing me up. Uh, you mentioned you have a son, and yes. just as you would say, dentists make sure their kids brush their teeth. You've mm -hmm. got police officers telling their kids that they're not allowed to search you or they need a warrant. As a marketing person, what is something that you instill on your son because you know the back end? So for my son, who doesn't listen to me at all, just <laughs> like the internet, that out there. like I, I could call him right now. He wouldn't come. He wouldn't come. He doesn't listen to me at all. Um, but in 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 my house, uh, he doesn't watch YouTube. Uh, so he cannot. Let, let me let me make that truthful he doesn't watch youtube by himself and um especially on any phone device whatever um because as soon as you open youtube it's shorts right 
And so even though on YouTube kids now, they have like the little short videos where, where like the, the, the autoplay. So we don't do anything with, with autoplay, except for Netflix, because I can't stop that. Um, and we can't, and we don't do anything with a short, short form, form content. And if I do call him and he does listen to me and he comes here, which won't happen, <laughs> he would tell you that, um, little short videos make, makes your brain dumb. He's seven, go with it. Okay. Um, so, so I had, I had to explain to him, like, look, if you're constantly watching these short videos, what's going to happen is you're not going to have a good time. And, and we, we actually did a whole experiment where one weekend he got to do whatever he wanted to do. This was last May, right? Mm-hmm. So last May, before we went on our Disney cruise, great time. Don't go to parks anymore. I said it. I don't care if Disney sues me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, he, he got to watch for the whole two days, three days straight. Nothing but YouTube, YouTube shorts, this, that, the other. He's having a good time. And I'm like, okay, so you know the math work you did uh, right, right before school let out? I need you to do it right here, right now. He couldn't do it. And so it's just showing him the impact of what it does to your brain. <laughs> like you can't focus. You can't do 50 questions. One, because you're seven. And two, because your brain has been rotting and festering watching this crazy stuff. And and granted, there, there was boundaries on. Like he couldn't go on like the dark side of YouTube, but it was like still kid stuff. Yeah. But um, you know, he he was he he got the message to the point where when he sees other children watching YouTube, he's like, "That's a bad platform. You shouldn't do that. You're not going to be very successful in life." And then he tells them about his portfolio and his day trading plans. Huh. <laughs> oh, that's great. My son's a mess. <laughs> oh no, he sounds fine. I mean, he's a kid. We all have kids who they're gonna turn out not as bad as we always think we are because we always worry. Yeah. Um, I don't know about this one though, but we'll see. I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> so, what I asked for my final question: mm-hmm. What is something that your parents did that you like to pass on to your kids, mm-hmm. and what is something that you would do either differently or new? Okay. So, um, for those of you who don't know, um, I I grew up. Um, I, I was in I was in home foster. So that means I was in the foster care system, but I was raised by my family, essentially. So my my, my grandmother raised me, right? And so my, my my grandmother, again, she was born in 1940, totally different life. Her her whole thing is we're gonna make it through tenacity, courage. And um just having that drive to we're gonna get this done no matter what. And um for some of your audience, you might relate with this, but you got to work twice as hard to have half as much um, was kind of ingrained into me uh, until fairly recently. It took a lot of therapy, but I got it out of me. Um, but uh, that that kind of got me pretty far in life. Um, my therapist wouldn't say to glorify that, but I will for this conversation. <laughs> and then as far as the things that I wouldn't do moving forward is... And this that this was not to her detriment or or anything else. She again born in 1940. It was illegal for her to go to school, right? So so she didn't have the same access to opportunities as as I did, right? So 
there were so many limiting beliefs of what you could do, what you had to be. Um, and even keeping it super surface, right? Like when you get a job, you need to be there for 20, 30, 40 years, right? Or you can't change career paths or you got to know what you're going to do when you're 15 years old. Well, what I wanted to, what I do now didn't exist when I was 15, right? Yeah. And so with that, I got a lot of flack when I was in high school. Um, I was always a straight A student, um, even though I was dyslexic and had other issues and everything else. But I was always a straight A student. Um, I always had like multiple jobs and everything else, right? So the whole idea that I had to, in a couple years, pick one thing that I was going to do for the rest of my life was terribly daunting. Um, and, you know, I, I tried to pretend and I tried to be that one thing and pick this one thing to do and and follow this path. And needless to say, that didn't work, but it worked out in my favor. And so when it comes to my son who wants to be a day trader, animator, and architect, right? He can do and be all those things. He actually has a day trading account right now. And for federal reasons, I'll say that it's a demo account, but he does really well, right? <clears throat> um, so he's a day trader already. Um, he's not an animator because he doesn't want to go to drawing classes, but he can literally do whatever he wants to, to do. He can be whatever he wants to be. And I see my job as a parent is to just give him as many keys as possible. And then he gets to decide what door he wants to unlock and then what door he wants to go through. Like and that. I'm not putting him in a box, you know? Yeah, I like that. Especially the metaphor. Yeah. Man, I love metaphors. They just, metaphors they make simple folk like me understand just elaborate concepts very easily because I'm more of a image images person I, I, I try I try to speak to multiple people you know I try to make sure I got no, that's to great speak. and is there anything well I guess you kind of touched on both sides of it no that's yes, perfect uh, yeah I wanted to you know have that tenacity make make, make sure that he knows that you get knocked down get back up but you don't no. got to be one thing so. that's great Thank you. Thanks very much for being on the show. I appreciated you coming on. Thank you for on. having me. This was great. And I got a whole bunch more conspiracy. No, I'm no, I would even imagine I like I thought of a bunch of them while we were talking. Like another one I had heard was like that uh submarine that uh that scrunch submarine. Like I heard a conspiracy theory that it had actually been found like four days before like mm -hmm. they actually announced it on the news. And that they were trying to cover up something like else. And they held back all the, uh, you know, the SEO and people telling on the news just to kind of like pump up for four days to kind of sway. But that's conspiracy mm -hmm. theory, obviously. I mean, when you think about how the Internet works and that like not every country has the same Internet. <laughs> yeah. Not every so, so it's kind of like nine, right? Nine. If I say nine to you, you think that means number nine, right? But if I say nine in Germany, they're like, why are you just saying no for no, no reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so it's like the, the SEO works off of tags and crawling stuff and everything else. So when it's in a different language, which is why ChatGPT is having so many issues in, in other languages, um, you get really interesting results. And so when you go to Google on a VPN, <laughs> just surface Google on a VPN um, and you use Google Translate, 
you'll find very interesting things about things that are happening around the block for you that you did not know. So you get to see what people see that we don't get to see. <laughs> and um, I got an opportunity when I was 18 years old to um, travel out, outside of the country for the first time. And I went to Switzerland. And um, at the time, like laptops and computers were like, everyone had them, but not overseas. So we were in the hotel and um, it just kind of opened up automatically to CNN.com. And it's like, why does this CNN look different than the CNN that's on my laptop? <laughs> but it was the same stories. It was just so different. Yeah. And, the, and the ones in Switzerland were very, there was so much longer as well. It had more details and it was very neutral. But the CNN I was looking at, I was like, oh, we need to go get the pitchforks and get this guy. But the CNN in, uh, in, in Switzerland was very calm, cool, collected, um, very unbiased. So it, it taught me a lot in that one moment. And SEO is no, no different. Um, yeah. You know, they, they said, well, we don't control SEO. You, you do. <laughs> and I know you do because I know people who work there. But different story for a different day. <laughs> well, thanks again for kind of expanding my, my, uh, my knowledge on digital marketing. I kind of opened up conspiracy theories that might not be conspiracy theories. Yeah. Got them for days. And I also do government tra- contracting. I got them for days. <laughs> got them for day. But um, yeah, so if you or your audience or whatever, you guys have any questions or you're starting to, tra- tra- starting to start a business or what have you, or, you know, whatever, you have any marketing business questions, I'm always on LinkedIn. I don't post on LinkedIn where someone called me out for it the other day. So I got to build a chat bot to, to post for me on LinkedIn. But um, yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Michelle A. Bassett. It's a little purple unicorn thing there. Um, just message me, add me. I'm pretty okay. responsible. And and I'll add uh, a link to your LinkedIn when I post this on, uh, yeah, sure. on Instagram. All right. And I'll make sure the, like, the uh, SEO is perfect. So I'll hit all the tags. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Well, have a good night. All right. You too. Okay. Bye. If you like this week's episode of people more interesting than me, please follow me on Apple podcasts. So you won't miss out on more episodes like these.